You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey guys, we're doing something a little different in this episode. We sat down with our friends over the tip of the iceberg Pittsburgh Penguin podcast for a nice chat about our two teams, uh, the two rosters of the teams, how we think both teams are going to shake out this year, fighting for a playoff spot in the group of death that is the Mass Mutual Division. We hope you guys enjoy hearing from our friends on the other side of the state, but without further ado, let's stop wasting some time and get right into the interview. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is episode 99 of the Tip of the Iceberg, and we are joined right now by three very special guests, three of the newest additions to the Hockey Podcast Network, the boys over from the Three Pigeons podcast covering the Philadelphia Flyers for the Hockey Podcast Network. Mike, Matt, and Joe. Boys, how's it going today? Pretty good, pretty good. Joe, what was that? A lovely thirty-eight out right now. You said, yeah, it's it's a lovely thirty-eight degrees and holding. It's uh, it's going to be a beautiful Saturday here. (laughs) Love to hear it. I know I'm down in DC, so I think I probably have you guys beat. It's about forty-five here, so I don't want to brag, but that's about the one good thing that comes out of DC right now. Yeah. Oh boy, DC, you're you're in you're in enemy territory as a Penguins fan down in DC. I am, and I wear that with pride because it's fun wearing black and gold around and getting the side eyes. So you, you got to do it with pride, otherwise you're not doing it right. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. It's always fun. You can ruffle some feathers. Exactly, and that's exactly what we try to do here at the tip of the iceberg. But we're thankful that you guys came and joined us. We're here to talk a little bit about the Philadelphia Flyers and Pittsburgh Penguins matchup and, and how these teams are going to match up this year. Of course, both part of the NHL's East Division, the Mass Mutual East Division, if you will. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about the Flyers roster, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Penguins roster to get set for Wednesday and Friday, I believe, those two matchups to kick off the season. But let's start off with the Philadelphia Flyers. Guys, why don't you guys run down the lineup and and tell us what you think about it, and then then we'll we'll weigh in on what we think from the western part of the state. Yeah, sure. Uh, You know what, Joe, as our host, our fearless leader, why don't you, uh, don't why don't you give us that. the rundown? Host, host but not definitely not fearless leader. Um, <laughs> in, in terms of the, the lineup, I think the three of us can – we've been really harping on that the depth of this team is, is the best it's been in a while, um, especially at center with Couturier, Kevin Hayes, got Nolan Patrick. Um, all signs look like he's going to be ready to go. Um, so we should be good there as well. And we got Morgan Frost waiting in the wings. I'm not sure how plugged in you guys are into, you know, obviously other teams – kind of development and, and and player and prospects and stuff. But Frost is um, – he, he's got a lot of potential, so we can see what happens with him. But um, tremendous depth, especially in the bottom six. Um, for right now, they seem to have James Van Riemsdyk playing bottom six minutes. Um, he can score a lot of goals if, if he gets in front of the net, so we'll see what happens. But I think depth is the name of the game for this, uh, for this Flyers team. I don't know if my colleagues agree or disagree, but – Yeah, what I'll do is I can just quickly run down what – based on – based on camp, what the lineup is looking like for the Flyers. So first line is looking to be Oscar Oscar Lindblom, Sean Couturier, Travis Konechny, which early on before Lindblom's cancer, 
diagnosis was a very good line. They showed very good chemistry early on there. And then Claude Giroux, Kevin Hayes, Joel Farabee as a second line. As Joe alluded to, JVR, Nolan Patrick, if he remains healthy, he can go to start the season with Jake Voracek on the third line. And then the fourth line consisting of Michael Roffel, Scott Lawton, and Nicholas Abe-Kubel. So like Joe said, I mean, in our opinion, maybe next to the Avalanche, this is probably the deepest offense in the league, in our opinion. Next to the, probably Avalanche have a speed. I would I'd be willing to give them the edge just because they have that high-end talent with Mika Rantanen, uh, Nathan McKinnon, but – Unless as Mike has any else, anything else to add on the on the forward front, I, I really can't see too many teams topping that. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously teams like Boston are always you know carried by the big top six, and then they just always find a way to have have bottom six guys from the AHL come up and, and play above their station. So we'll see with teams like that. The Caps too is obviously, but yeah, the Flyers' forward depth is definitely their their biggest strength aside from in net with Carter Hart, um, and then even defense, it's. We were talking before on a previous podcast that the Flyers don't necessarily have a top pair, but what they do have is a clear top to top number one defenseman in Ivan Provorov, who is able to adjust his game and play as a as a proficient uh, number one defenseman with pretty much any defenseman he plays with. I mean, he spent the first couple of years of his career with Andrew McDonald, who I mean, I'm sure you guys remember was an absolute anchor uh, skating alongside him. So this year. He was horrible. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you guys were happy to watch whenever you saw 40. He's our Jack out. Johnson. I mean, they. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know if he's that bad, but I, I will. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. So this year, no Andrew McDonald again. Luckily, uh, no Matt Niskanen, which is is rough. But they've been skating Provorov with Gostas Bear in camp. Um, some news breaking today, though, that that Ghost is uh, unfit to play right now. Um, you know, no news whether it's COVID or an injury, but he won't be suiting up in the team's scrimmage on Sunday. So that's that's unfortunate. But um, they still have, you know, Justin Braun. They compare with him. Eric, the newly signed Eric Gustafson, uh, Travis Sanheim, and Phil Myers are two young and upcoming defensemen. So this is, yeah, we'll harp on it a lot and we'll touch on it more as we discuss. But this is a, a deep Flyers roster. And while they're missing, you know, they don't have a Crosby. They don't have a Malkin. Um they they still make up for it in a lot of other areas, so that's that's really how we see the team coming into this year. Um, but we're we're extremely curious. We've heard you guys talk about the Flyers a little bit in a couple other of your podcasts. Um, we're interested to see if your your view has changed after the playoffs last year, uh, coming into camp this year. So uh, please take it away. I, yeah, I'll jump I, in real quick because I think he literally just basically mentioned my first little note is that. Um, this is a team that doesn't have a ton of notable names anymore, at least. I mean, like Danny Briere used to be there. He used to have Pronger on the defense for a little while. But now there's not a ton of notable names, but you mentioned that the depth that is here is solid. I mean, I just look at it as from a rival's perspective. I look at it and kind of question it. As a guy like Joel Farabee on the second line, I don't know who that is. I don't know much about him <laughs> other than I've heard the name. Uh, and then he's on your second line with Kevin Hayes and Claude Giroux. And, but then you go further down, like Michael Roffel, just another pest that we've I've only ever heard the name of. Like the guys like this, uh, it's a little more detail on them. What makes them so good to this team? Let's see, first before you answer, Michael Roffel, most notably known in Pittsburgh by almost getting his head taken off by Evgeny Malkin, just oh, yeah. Yeah. wildly yeah. swinging his stick. 
He, he wasn't the first flyer to have that happen to him, courtesy of Malkin. He probably won't be the last. No, so. he will not be the last. <laughs> Joe, I, you're, you're a big Michael Roffle guy. Please. Yeah, it's it's funny you bring up Roffle because I always make a joke on the podcast that he's been on the Flyers for like forever. And if, he really has been. He's been on the team for such a long time. Um, but he he's not known in like – like you said, like no one's going to know his name. Yeah. But he's one of those players that does every little small thing right. And – you don't really notice him until it's the playoffs. He had a really actually – he had a great playoffs uh, against Montreal um, after – I was right after you guys had the series. Um, but he had a really strong playoff. He ended up getting injured. Um, but, man, he was – he scores timely goals, it seems like, which I know is can be such a BS-like thing to say. But he does the small things really well at the end of the day. And you're not going to notice him. Um, you're not going to know his name. But he's he's been a pretty. There was one year where I think he had like eighteen goals or, or sixteen it's goals. Twenty, yeah, because yeah, twenty before, yeah. They basically he's there, and everybody says this. He's their Swiss Army knife. They put him wherever they want, up and down the lineup. He can play third line, second line. He there was a time where he's on that first line, which was, I mean, you don't want well, that, that to happen, but he can do it and not kill you in terms of of percentages and stats. So. Yeah, he he exactly that. I mean, that's that's why I think we speak to death is because he's no longer on a first, second, or third line. He is on the fourth line. Last year, he had eight goals, 12 assists for 20 points in 58 games. So if you're talking about a fourth line player that's going to give you on a pro-rated 82 games almost 20 to 30 points, I think any team or any podcast would be happy with a player like that in your fourth your fourth line. So I think that just really speaks to the depth. And in terms of Joel Faraby, again, last year, 52 games, eight goals, 13 assists as a rookie. So 82 games, you're talking about 30 points as a rookie, which playing in a middle six role is probably nothing to write home about, but he came into camp. They mentioned he's another 10 pounds heavier, so he's 185. I think that was his biggest issue. Most, like any rookie, is really just if you're not physically mature enough, the same way you were compared to players in college or juniors, your pure skill is really not going to get you, unless you're elite elite, um, where you want to in the NHL until you become physically mature. So for him, another year older, 10 pounds heavier, I think a, a reasonable 30, 40 points in an 82-game season, which I guess would come out to like 20 or 30 again. Um, but again, it's really like you, you guys mentioned, there's no, you say no notable names. I mean, having Jake Voracek, who's a 70-point, 60-point winger, still in this stage of his career, with JVR, who can easily, I mean, he's guaranteed getting you 20 on your third line. I think we would uh, beg to differ a little bit there. Yeah, and, and not to mention uh, Selkie, Selkie winner Sean Couturier as a notable yeah. name and uh, breakout star Travis Konechny last year. Um, I think I think the notable names on the Flyers team are, like, again, they're not Crosby's, they're not Malkin. No one is going to make that argument at this point. The, the days are gone that, you know, Peter Laviolette saying that uh, the, the torch was passed from Sidney Crosby to, to Clark. <laughs> yeah, that, that's gone. No one's going to argue that anymore. It's Ovechkin's turn now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've heard we've heard that a lot recently on Twitter. Uh, but no, uh, I, I I see what you guys are saying. I definitely I definitely understand how looking at the Flyers roster, you could be like, you know, they're running Kevin Hayes on the second line. Like, when did Kevin Hayes get so good? Kevin Hayes was on pace for thirty goals last year. Like. He he really took command, and he's he's a player that appears to be entering his true prime. I think because he came out of college, we sort of forget how old he actually is. He's only like 28, 27 or twenty eight. So 
um, yeah, I think I think the less notable notable names will become even more uh, prolific this year um, and catch a lot of eyes. I mean, that's what we're hoping at least. That's that's how the Flyers will be successful. Is those those types of players continue to improve? So, um, yeah, uh, please uh, keep firing away though. Keep keep uh, tossing up the uh, the the bad takes about our team. No, <laughs> I mean before I even give my bad take. And you guys probably won't think it's a bad take, but I love how NHL training camps in the last two years have kind of digressed down to who has gained weight and who has lost weight. The people that were overweight last year, oh, they lost like 10 pounds in the offseason. Or the guys that were undersized. I think in Vancouver, Pedersen got asked the question. He's like, I thought we were done with this. Like, yeah. why, why is everybody concerned about weight? And I just think it's hilarious that you guys, of course, it, it are not immune to it either. In Philadelphia, they're like, well... He gained ten pounds, so uh, no, that's a good sign. If you if you have the beats that Philadelphia has, I mean, you're never going to dodge oh, that God. question anymore. Uh, so it's, yeah, age and weight. Are the two, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the two criteria. most asked questions. Yeah. Let's forget about skill. How much do you weigh? Like, get on the scale right now. <laughs> like, I love that. That's 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 a thing now. But uh, you mentioned Travis Konecki, which I'm very happy about. To me, he's the best forward on the Flyers now, and I think he took that last year. Uh, not only saying that because he was on my fantasy team last year and he was one of the reasons I was good on fantasy last year, but just the way that he plays the game too, I feel like he's the most complete player for the Philadelphia Flyers. Couturier, yes, he's great, and he won a Selkie for a reason. He's a fantastic two-way center, but I think Konechny has that top-end talent a little bit more than those guys, and I think that he's very underrated as far as the league-wide goes, and he should be considered the leader of this team when it comes to at least on-ice play. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, if I can run with this one real quick. Take it. Uh, before, Matt, you mentioned uh, Oscar Lindblom on the first line and, and how that line had a lot of chemistry prior to his cancer diagnosis. I would say the biggest beneficiary to that, um, to having Oscar Lindblom with him, not the cancer diagnosis, of course, uh, the, the biggest beneficiary to that was Travis Konechny. Um, he was on pace for 40 goals before Lindblom went out, and he showed tremendous chemistry with Lindblom so you know TK still would have ended the season with 30 um especially because he was starting to heat up again as as the season was was winding down and unfortunately cut short so yeah I mean in a, in a short in a shortened season a guy who has the motor that he does um I don't I don't think it's out of the out of the realm of possibility for him to put up 30 in a 56 game season I I don't think that's that ridiculous I mean he's He's just scratching the surface. Um, I saw a lot of talk this summer because the Flyers, you know, have this this fantasy of trading for Patrick Lane. They have a, they have a fantasy of trading for any star winger uh, at this point. The team and the fans uh, uh, share that passion. So for Hagen uh, a third, yeah, for Hagen a third, that'll get it done. <laughs> that was that was a lot of there was a lot of talk about that this summer, and there were a lot of charts, um, analytics charts, and and point share charts, etc kind of showing that the Flyers might already have their own Patrick Lane in Travis Konechny. He's he's definitely trending that way. In some areas, he excels over Lane in, in pure 5-on-5 five five scoring especially. So, I mean, yeah, he's a special player. It's, it's cool that rivals are starting to see that, and it's going to be great when he blows up completely and the league, the league recognizes it. I mean, the Flyers, the NHL Network... They release those YouTube videos like top ten Flyers goals, top ten Penguins goals, etc. Travis Konechny was like six of the Flyers' top ten goals <laughs> this year. I mean, he yeah. he scores 
some absolutely filthy ones. So, yeah, we're excited for him too. The only thing that he he needs to round out his defensive play if he okay. really wants to take that. I mean, you know, maybe he doesn't need to be a fully well-rounded player, but in a in a system that like AV runs, I think they're they're probably going to want him to become a little more responsible in his own end. All right. Yeah, yeah. and I mentioned this on a previous episode. I don't know if it was one of the episodes you guys have listened to of the tip of the iceberg, but I said that I believe that the Flyers and the Penguins rosters are very similarly constructed. Now, of course, that kind of goes by the wayside in your guys' opinion because I didn't give too, too much credence to their depth, but I kind of broke it down as they have the aging stars, which are Giroux and Voracek. They have veteran support forwards like Hayes, Couturier, and JBR that are still you know, at the top of their game. They have young stars like Konechny and Lindblom and even Patrick, a solid number one defenseman in Provorov, underrated defenseman like Sanheim, Hagen Myers, like you mentioned, and then a young goalie with high expectations in Hart. And if you look over on the Penn side, I feel like there's a lot of the same kind of categories for their players. So do you guys think these two teams are constructed similarly? similarly and do you guys think that what I just ran down there sounds about right to you? I mean – in some some places, I agree, and in others, I don't. Uh, Teddy Bluger, did they pick him off of the, the side of a sheets? Where is where, where, he from? <laughs> I've never heard his name ever. You, you talk about you know the Flyers not knowing who Michael Raffle is. Teddy, honestly, like, I, is he is he a scoring forward? Is he more like Raffle, where he kind of does all the small things right, and that's why no one knows who he is? Just go in, go into the bottom of the lineup a little more. Sam Lafferty. <laughs> I'm not sure who that is. Brandon Tanev, I think we all agree he's very good. Um, Colton Sevier, I actually like. I think he's good as well. And Jeremy McCann plays really well for you guys. Um, but I think, yeah, just a defense. I think Marino, he was getting a lot of comps to to Phil Myers. I didn't know. I, I didn't. I don't really pay too too much attention to other teams' stats, but I looked into it, and he had a really great year last year. Hopefully, he continues that trajectory for you guys. And I started to see a lot of people were comping. To what you know, Phil Myers, same thing. There's a lot of hope on him becoming, you know, a, a number two defenseman, really. Um, but yeah, there's there's some guys in the, the Penguins. Uh, go Lafferty and Bluger, those two. Who are they? I've never uh, heard of them. So the Penguins have this uncanny ability to take no names like this and turn them into cult heroes in our own city. I mean, Lafferty is from the area, it's closer to where Berlansky is from in Holidaysburg, PA. So he's from the area, he's a local mm. kid, and okay. really the fans are gonna like that. And he is, I call him a wrecking ball because that's all he is. He doesn't really stop. He kind of just uses you to hit you and turn around and go the other way. Um, he's not going to be much of a scorer. So he is like a depth um, skater piece. He's also not so much defensively minded. It's just, he's just a depth piece that can bowl you over and create space. Good for checker. Exactly. Yeah. While um, Teddy Bluger from Riga, Latvia, Riga, I think, actually somewhere in Latvia. Um, <laughs> Went to college, went to Shattuck St. Mary's. So uh, I'm sure we, I'm sure the Penguins liked the connection he had with going to the same school as Crosby. And then he turned out to be a phenomenal depth defender on the forward. He's one of the better penalty killers we have. And uh, Berlanski can have a little more detail. He's just another more cult hero here, basically. Yeah. And it was the biggest surprise of the offseason is that Rutherford went out and got Mark Jankowski because we all expected Teddy Bluger to be pushed up to the third line center role. We thought he was ready for it because he was part of what we thought was one of our most consistent lines last year, which was Bluger, Tanev, as you mentioned, and Zach Aston Reese, who is somehow formed into one of the best defensive forwards in the league 
analytics wise and nobody will ever hear about Zach Aston Reese other than when he got his chin blown up by Tom Wilson but <laughs> he is a very steady defensive presence for the Penguins and that helped along with a guy like Teddy Bluger who has a scoring touch but has been focusing at in the fourth line role as more of a defensive guy so if he can find a way to get that scoring touch since Nick Bonino left Pittsburgh we've been always saying we need a third line center where's our third line center we got to trade for a third line center when realistically we've had the guy here, he's just not ready yet in Teddy Bluger. That's how we perceive Bluger, and this is going to be a big year for him to show that he can take that next step, even though the Penguins are keeping him as a fourth-line guy. I think it's interesting. Oh, sorry, Matt, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that the biggest difference I see in it, and I think it, you talked about it a little bit with the age, like with your roster, because of how elite Crosby and Malkin are. You see both of them are always going to be, for the most part, over a point a game. And then when I look at your bottom six, and we look at, let's say, like a JVR, Nolan Patrick, and Jake Voracek third line compared to um, your third line on paper, that's where I think the discrepancy is, in, in our opinion, right? Like, if I look at your, your fourth liners, you mentioned Lafferty, six goals, seven assists, and 13 games. So he's going to be on your third or fourth line. I think that's where we, and I know it's not all about just goals and assists, but if you're just quickly looking at it like that, and then you look at Mark Jankowski as your third line center who had five goals and two assists last year, comparing him to a Nolan Patrick. Now I did know before that he was around 30 points a year with Calgary. So there could be some similarities there. I just think on paper, at least offensively speaking, if we're talking about a matchup of that third line compared to your third line, I like our chances a lot better, in my opinion. Yeah, even, even the def- fourth line. Yeah, I've definitely said that our bottom six is going to be weird this year because it's it's less structured. There's not a definite couple big names like Horquist down there. Mm-hmm. It's completely revamped almost, and we just have to get used to it. It's gonna be, I just said it's going to be weird. There's no other way of putting it. If they do good or not, we'll just, it's yet to be seen, and that's kind of I think we're waiting to see what some of the season looks like before we start you know, making claims on this bottom six. Yeah. And I think the thing that even team sources right now are coming out and saying, we don't expect the bottom six to start as a scoring force, but the problem being for other teams, this bottom six is really good in their own zone. So it's, can you score versus our bottom six more than our top six is going to score on you? And that's mm-hmm. what they're kind of betting on at least to start the season, because there's so many new names in that bottom six. It's going to take a while for them to gel a little bit. You mentioned Sevier. I mean, he even missed the first day of training camp for the birth of his baby girl. So congratulations to him on that again. I know I've mentioned it before, but there's a lot of new names. Even Drew O'Connor, who was a caller signing last year, is getting time in the fourth line, which Penguins fans have never heard of him before this <laughs> training camp either. So you're not alone in that. But I'm glad you mentioned Nolan Patrick again. I don't know what to expect from him because, of course, last year he missed Join the entire the club. season. <laughs> Nobody, knows. <laughs> Nobody knows over there either. No, I mean it's it's uh, Mike. Go ahead. You, 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 he's he's a huge Nolan Patrick. We all are big Nolan Patrick fans. Everyone wants him to succeed. Yeah, but yeah, I, th- I think first and foremost, uh, you know, I've I've mentioned this uh, before. I I really want Nolan Patrick to do well. If you separate the player and the team, everybody wants him to to have a good season. Um, you know, just just for the kid to to be able to put it together and, and play the game he loves. Everybody wants that. Um, in terms of what to expect from him, so far in his career, 
Nolan Patrick has been about a 12 goal, 12 assist guy in two seasons. So, you know, not blowing the doors off. Uh, he also hasn't put together full seasons yet. Um, so if that's what you're getting in a shortened season, I mean, that's still what grades out as like a average third line center, maybe. Um, but in terms of what we've been seeing in camp, at least, or hearing from camp is that he's faster. He appears to be stronger. Um, he's backing down players on drills and, and really using his size and speed to, to push defensemen back on the on the forecheck and, and in the in breakouts and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, we're expect. I don't think we're expecting the world from him. We're not expecting him to suddenly be at the pace of, of like a Nico Heischer this season or something like that. But in a third line role, being flanked by James Van Riemsdyk and Jake Voracek, uh, two guys that he's he's pretty close with and who are very offensively prone already. I mean, Nolan Patrick has we we've seen in Philly. He's had some some ten game, fifteen game stretches in his career so far where. He looks like he has all the potential in the world in just the tip of his finger. I mean, this dude has one of the sharpest backhanders I've ever seen. He's cerebral with the puck around the boards. Like, he sees plays happen before, you know, five steps before they're even there sometimes. So, at his best, he's shown great flashes. So, I think, but more than anything, we just want him to stay healthy this year and, you know, if he, if all he can do this year is be healthy and be a an average third line center, I think that's a success for Nolan Patrick. And I think that's something to build on at best. If he and JVR and Jake can get in on opposing teams, uh, defenses and just cause havoc along the wall and in front of the net, I think you're, you're looking for a really sneaky, uh, potentially like 15, 20 goal season in, in a shortened year. I mean, the potential is definitely there for him. And I think Flyers fans can, can attest to, after watching Derek Grant and Nate Thompson play for us in the playoffs, uh, we'll take we'll take Nolan Patrick at third line center. I think there's there's no in no world is he worse than than what they trotted out in the in the playoffs against the Islanders last year. So, I mean, I I could totally be off base. I know I'm tend to be more optimistic on him, but that's honestly the way I see it. If anybody saw or remembers the 2018 series between the two teams that we cover. Nolan Patrick, if I remember correctly, I don't know if it was then or if it was some other game, but Nolan Patrick was a huge thorn in the side of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point that we started looking at him in Pittsburgh, at least the people that watch the game the same way that me and Horwat do, is this kid is seems like a more skilled Sean Couturier, which is scary because Sean Couturier, I mean, do we even need to mention the fact that he won the Selkie last year again? But <laughs> yeah. Sean Couturier was a huge and has been a huge thorn in Pittsburgh's side basically since he came into the league. So seeing that in Nolan Patrick before, that was scary. And then, of course, the migraine disorder. And, and everybody wants to see him succeed, similarly to how everybody wants to see Oscar Lindblom succeed. But let's just hope it's not to the level where, you know, <laughs> Pittsburgh has to start hating him. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, I, if, if Pittsburgh Penguins fans get to a level where they hate Nolan Patrick, I think Nolan Patrick has, has taken that next step in his career. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. I, I know I just went on for a bit, but I will follow up. That playoff series against the Pens, he was one of the... I mean, that Flyers team had no business, um, you know, kind of being near that spot at that point. I mean, they had no goaltending. Uh, Brian Elliott was playing with a torn labrum, Roy, I think. So, yeah, something like that. He shouldn't have been in net. 
Michael Neuwirth was just a bad goalie. Uh, they didn't they didn't really have much going for them besides Giroux and Kajirier. So, but yeah, Nolan Patrick in that series. That's what led a lot of Flyers fans when the Flyers signed Kevin Hayes. Uh, well, traded for Kevin Hayes's rights and then signed him. Flyers fans were like, "This is incredible. This is going to benefit Nolan Patrick so much." We were, you know, over the moon about having Couturier, Hayes, Patrick down the middle last year, and then when it came out that Patrick wasn't going to be able to go, I mean, that was that was crushing. So we're basically getting, you know, we're getting a second chance at that this year, and we're hoping that it's it's a foundation for years to come. I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you have anything to hang your hat on with that series you now have gold today and the, i'm just going to make this question easy for you uh is carter hart the real deal yes yeah Absolutely. It, what proved it for me was in the, in the playoffs uh, against against montreal um and and even the islanders when he would have like a bad period or a bad 10 minutes 20 minutes something like that where you're just like oh my god get it together carter he did and then he put it very quickly behind him um, I think that's probably the most crucial mental aspect for a goalie is to be able to to have a short memory, um, and he's proven that that he he has it. I mean, he got shelled by the Islanders, and I think was it or was it Montreal, and then he came out and had a shutout the next game. Um, yeah. So, I think he's the real deal. Um, I sure as hell hope he is. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. We haven't had the real deal in a long time, so <laughs> he, he looks like it to me. I mean, goaltending is a weird position. It's just one of those things it's hard to predict. And I know he's been projected to be that good for a little while now. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to get some information on that. Is and Tristan we, Jari the real deal? We'll, we'll see. I mean, we sure as hell hope so, too. Yeah. I think, it's a, I think it's a pretty fair comparison. I mean, he has – I think both have small sample sizes where they've looked good. Now, I would say where Carter has somewhat of an edge is just the fact that he was able to prove it in the playoffs last year. Um but I think it, that is a similarity that we see is that even though Brian Elliott won some big games for us last year, if you look at his stats, goals against average, um, things of that nature, they don't look pretty last year. And without having Casey the Smith stats in front of me, I, from what I remember with my one buddy, he was a good, he's a Penguins fan. He wasn't too high on him. So I think we're pretty similar there in terms of just goalie depth, I would say. And I think this is going to be a big year for both Tristan Jari and Carter Hart just to continue that level of play over a larger sample size. For goalies, I'd like to look at it as you have not arrived as a as a solid goaltender until you put it together back-to-back seasons. And yeah. Carter Hart has the first season already. So last year, I, I fully saw him as a top-tier, top-flight probably going to continue to be top 15 top 10 goalie but this year is when i need to see it again i need to see it back-to-back years and like you said it's all sample size and jari only played 30 some games last year so we need to see more of them he only played one playoff game and he gave up one goal so again a lot of questions you mentioned to smith there's questions because he played all of last season in wilkes bear he had a chance to play or at least dress for a game against montreal and he forgot his power he lost his passport so we had to call up a guy from the ECHL instead. So it's, That's we'll brutal. see how Casey DeSmith kind of comes out of that. Yeah, I, I think it is interesting how teams look at their goaltending. Um, you know, Tristan Jari right now kind of reminds me, I mean, you, you all might not like to hear this, but this kind of reminds me of like Steve Mason when the Flyers had him, where there were segments of the Flyers fan base, myself included, that would vehemently make the argument that Steve Mason statistically 
was uh you know top 10 top 15 goalie on the flyers especially there was one season his save percentage was absurd for how bad the flyers were and the flyers weren't a playoff team that year so no one cared about steve mason but uh and then when they would get into the playoffs the following year he got shelled by the capitals so you know it always appeared to to that section of the fan base that steve mason was the real deal was going to put it together and it just never panned out because for whatever reason he just wasn't that goalie um tristan yari kind of to me i see shades of the same thing where I mean, I remember being at NHL Network last year and watching when Yari really first came onto the scene in Pittsburgh, it, it felt like it came out of nowhere because I had known of him from the AHL um, and, you know, when he was a prospect and he, it never struck me as more than just, okay, yeah, this is a guy that is probably going to pan out as either a good NHL back out, or backup or a career AHL, you know, veteran goalie. So, you know undeniable that he had a good season last year and it's really commendable considering how much injury issues the penguins had um which you know going back to depth that might speak to the team's depth the fact that they were able to to have that next man up approach last year but with yar with jari it seems like last year to me i won't say it was a blip um but I guess same thing with you guys are saying. If he can do it again this year, then I'm, I'm a believer. Whatever. I, I'm the guy who still doubts whether or not Craig Anderson is good after all this time. So you know, maybe maybe if Tristan Jari can can do it again this year, maybe he'll he'll have me sold. You're not Craig, alone on the Craig Anderson thing, yeah, though. That's I, totally I don't fair. think so. <laughs> doesn't help that he gets shelled every time he plays the Penguins. So that's that's our sample size with that. And the Steve Mason comparisons do scare me. Uh, it, it does make me a little bit afraid, but at Don't the same worry. time, he won't let it go in from thinner ice. Don't worry. He won't. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's all we can hope for. And before we switch over to talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins, my last question for you guys, I see this team as a bubble team in the East division. I, for some, I don't see them as a team that could contend for one or two. And I'm sure you guys disagree with that heavily, but I see them between four five and possibly even six. If things don't go well, at the beginning of the season for them. So where do you guys see them and how bad do you think my take is that there are four, five or six team in the East? That's a I tough mean, take. Yeah. That's a tough take. Especially just looking at how they how markedly better the team is this year. We we touched on no no Nate Thompson, no Derek Grant. That's who we had playing third and fourth line at the end of the year last year and the team was on fire. Um and now you you switch those out for a healthy you know, we have a healthy Oscar Limbaum now. We've got a healthy Nolan Patrick. Morgan Frost is waiting as well in case you need him. Um, it's if the only way I see the Flyers finishing that low is if the goaltending completely falls apart. If Carter Hart isn't the real deal, that's the only way I can see them finishing fourth, fifth, or sixth. Uh, which I mean, crazier things have happened. I just um, seeing a lot from this kid. I, I don't expect it to happen, but that's the only way I can see them completely imploding and, and falling all the way down to, to fourth, fifth, or sixth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry, go ahead, Matt. No, I was going to say, I agree with that. I think unless Carter has a pretty hard regression from last year, I will admit the weakness I see in, in our team really has to probably be on that bottom pair defensively. I think I agree when we said nope. Ivan Provorov is a number one defenseman. I think Travis Sanheim is a very good number three at this point. And then with Phil Myers filling in right now as a number four, like that's three very good defensemen in my opinion. And then you never really know. I think another unknown is Shane Gossespierre. I mean, he's had some good seasons. He's had some very bad seasons. 
we'll see where he's paired. And then we're not fans of Robert Haig on this podcast. We don't <laughs> think he's very good. So Eric Gustafson's an interesting option. Braun has shown some pretty good, pretty good, uh, I would say like <laughs> stretches for us. Like, I don't think he's an amazing defenseman, but would I take him over Cody Cece? You bet your ass I would. So I think the, the real problem might be for us is that bottom two or three defensemen, but as long as they can find defensive pairs that work, Carter Hart does not regress that offensive depth. It's, it's, it's hard for me to see, even though this is a very competitive division, us not making the playoffs pretty handedly. And one point I'll, I'll leave it at is I believe, and Mike, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Against the East last year, I believe we were 13, 6, and 3. Yeah, either 13, 6, and 3 or 13, 6, and 2, something like that. Point so, being, pure, yeah, purely matchup wise, I mean, if that's our record last year with Nate Thompson and Grant playing a big portion of that and we're replacing them with Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom, that's an obvious upgrade. And you would expect a slightly better record, if not the same. Yeah, I mean, the Flyers were about to eclipse the Capitals last year. Uh, for second in the division um, and they were the hottest team from what we want to say mid-December boys until the end of the season basically um, at least the start of January so yeah, say start of January. yeah they, they were definitely up there for, for top record top point spread top point percentage um, yeah I mean, we're looking forward to it uh, I, I don't see I definitely don't see sixth and not making the playoffs that I and don't you, see that happening. That's in, you, in, in years past. Yeah. If it was like a, a goaltending tandem of Brian Elliott and Michael Neuvert or something like that, yeah, this team is is not. This team is a bubble team for sure. But the Flyers are the Flyers are beyond that. It feels weird for I, we have like PTSD about this team being a one in one out team. They're not a bubble team anymore, and and us as Flyers fans need to start living with that uh, reality as well. So. I think once the rest of the league sees that too, it's gonna. I think they're gonna catch some teams by surprise. Um, their big foe right now in the East, in my opinion, is the Islanders. But you know, I don't know. Yeah, that's the that's the matchup nightmare that we have currently. <laughs> yeah, and me putting them that low was not as much trying to disrespect the Philadelphia Flyers and where they're at as much as this East division being the murderer's row of teams that it yeah. could be, and could be because there are some teams that could regress. I mean, Boston being one of them, Washington being another, and Pittsburgh being another as well. It's a matter of seeing where these guys are after 10 months and most of them only playing a handful of games in that, those 10 months. So between that and then I am bookmarking it, 36 minutes is the first time you guys tried to use Cody Cece against us. I will remember that. I was waiting for that one. Hey, I mean, I already took out Haig. I mean, he's really, in my opinion, the only player on that roster that you could throw in our face. So. <laughs> There you go, guys. Well, I guess we'll switch over to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'll talk about the forwards really quickly and run down our forward lineup, and then I'll let Horwat discuss the defense because he is he's definitely a guy that prefers to talk about goaltenders for sure. He's a, <laughs> he's a goalie nut, and then he also likes John Marino a lot. So I'll, I'll leave him with John Marino in the defense. But on the forward side right now, we have Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby, and Evan Rodriguez as our top line. Of course, it's very well documented that Kasperi Kapanen, who's the big offseason acquisition, has struggled to get from – Finland to the United States. So right now they're putting Evan Rodriguez in there, who is usually a third, fourth line guy. I don't know. I've seen guys like Pascal Dupuis, Simone, De, uh, Dominic Simone, not Simone Dupre. Wow. 
Dominic Simone and, and Chris Kunitz be able to go and be effective first liners with Sidney Crosby. So we'll see if he can do that with Evan Rodriguez. The second line, which I think is the best second line in hockey, if it's what they decide to go with, Jason Zucker, Evgeny Malkin, and Brian Rust. Rust almost had a 30-goal season last year. He would have if not for COVID. And it's somebody that on that line you can see continuing to do that. Of course, you guys have all talked about Evgeny Malkin, and we don't really need to bring up what Evgeny Malkin is. And Jason Zucker is a guy that has really kind of caught on to the Pittsburgh style of play very well, and I think he's going to work really well with Evgeny Malkin. Uh, the bottom six is where there's a little bit of controversy and a little bit of question marks. Jared McCann, Mark Jankowski, Sam Lafferty. We talked about those guys a little bit already. And then a fourth line right now of Brandon Tanev, Teddy Bluger, the guy from Riga, Latvia, and uh, Colton Sevier as well, the, the new dad. So that is our forward lineup. I'll let Horwitz say the defense, and then you guys can proceed to try to roast us, <laughs> as I'm sure you're ready for. Oh, they will once I'm finished up here, because we know what this last part is. Um, our defensive pairings, as it stands right now, is Brian Dublin and Chris Letang. And, I mean, that's been our first pairing forever and a day now. So that's probably where we'll stay for the time being. Second defensive pairing of Marcus Pedersen and John Marino. Um, we touched on John Marino for a second before, and you had said how good he had looked. It was his rookie season, and I I came to the conclusion that if he was not injured at one point with some facial um, bone breaking, I forget what it was exactly, uh, he could have contended for, I mean, not to win the Calder, but to be in the top three at least over uh, Kubalik maybe. I mean, Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes were – Quinn Hughes were far and away going to win it, but to have someone like that in the conversation, I think he had that ability. And then everyone's favorite third line defensive pairing, the one every team is salivating at Mike Matheson and Cody CC. Um, dig in if you will. I'll, I'll, I'll go real quick. I just want to just small thing. And I, I don't know if you guys remember Paul Holmgren. Do you remember him as our general manager? Yes. Okay. I'm getting shades of Jimmy Rutherford and Paul Holmgren. I'm seeing the same thing happen where it's an old man who's now given the keys and he's just driving the truck and he's doing whatever he wants. Because Mike Matheson, I I think when that trade, I just, uh, I really couldn't make heads or tails of it. Cody CC, um, yeah, I just, I, I see a lot of of Paul Holmgren in in your guys' GM. And I'm, I really do, I'm sorry for you guys because it means that it's kind of starting to come to the end mm-hmm. um, in terms of, of just, just draft capital because it's just getting just everything's just a pick. Here's a pick. Here's a pick. Here's a pick. And then you'll have to do a, a hardcore rebuild probably. I don't know. Malkin and Crosby are so good. I would say another another three, four years you guys got and then maybe. But uh, I feel I like I see I see Paul. I see Homer. I see him <laughs> in the distance and he's smiling. Sorry. That is the magic number of has been two years. So. Was it the magic number of Pittsburgh's been two years that's been thrown around getting into this season? That that's how long they have left. Yeah, I, I think it's up to them, really. Like if if they think the team around them is good enough that they can, as you mentioned, pull them, pull the players along with them. I think that's probably going to largely dictate how long those two stick around. Yeah, I, I think part of it too, Joe. I think that's a really good comparison. I've ever, I've never really thought of it that way, especially because in the beginning the poll poll. I can't speak. Holmgren era, geez. Uh, it was all about like there was a, there was a whole lot of uh, sowing going on and a, not a whole lot of reaping. Uh, you know, it was like, oh yeah, let's trade for Chris Versteeg. Oh yeah, let's do a blockbuster for Chris Pronger. And 
et cetera, et cetera. The moves all just kept happening. Let's trade a second and a third for Andrew McDonald and then sign him to a, a six-year deal. It, like, everything just, just compl- like constantly in motion. They're going after everybody they want. And at the time, it was like, yeah, this team's competing. This is great. And then when those, you know, those moves start to, to wear down, you know, Andrew McDonald, oh, he's actually not a good player. Uh, maybe, that was a, maybe that was a mistake. Oh, Chris Versteeg? That didn't really work out. Why did we do that? Why did we trade a first-round pick for Chris Versteeg? Like, you know, I, I think the Pens might be getting to that point. And I don't know if Crosby and Malkin have, them, have it in them anymore to, like, drag guys over the finish line the way they had in the past, especially considering the last two cups we saw from the Pens. I would argue that they very much did not do that. Uh, not saying they didn't have good seasons or they weren't still extremely effective, but what you guys said before about like having Patrick Hornquist and Phil Kessel and Chris or uh, yeah Chris Haglin, guys like that on your third line, that to me and outstanding play from Mark Andre Fleury and Matt Murray, that to me was what really sort of revitalized the Pens in the the beginning of the Mike Sullivan era. Um, you know his coaching aside because he's a great coach but you know the pens really seem to buy into that model in the early 2010s of no Crosby and Malkin are just good enough no matter who we have in the bottom six and that's when you saw clown show matchups of like Joe Vitale on that Penguins team going after Danny Briere on April Fool's Day and stuff like that where the Flyers really had the pens number at that point um and then Mike Sullivan came along and Joe this is your favorite thing just basically telling him like no, no, no. We're we're a yeah. skilled team. Like we, we don't have to do, do this. Yeah. Someone finally went up to to Sid and Malkin and were like, "You, you don't have to do this. We, you're just better than them." And finally, <laughs> it clicked, and they stopped doing this gong show stuff on the ice where they were just. And I'm starting to. See, I feel like this team now, this Penguins team now, is starting to get more constructed like that team back then. Yeah. Where it's just it's not a ton of skill guys. It's it's now going to to four checkers and 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 folk heroes and that's like that's the Flyers game. That's not the Penguins, and it just seems like it's going backward. History has you know it all, it always repeats itself, but um, it's interesting to see that the makeup of the team and, and how it's changed. Um, but yeah, sorry to steal your spotlight there, Mike. But I, I say no. it all the time on on the pod no, that I, they I, finally I, taught you know someone was like, hey, you're thousand times better than these guys just play like you are and like we're we're no strangers to the fact that there is that high-end talent on this pens team like brian doomlin made me a believer i'm a believer in brian doomlin now like i saw what that team looked like without him and you know it wasn't a pretty picture so i like him i love chris letang he's one of my favorite defensemen in the league um crosby malkin you know you guys see see the account defending crosby over Ovi uh on twitter that's that's not just you know fun and game. I I'm behind that by the way. So you know get my little brownie points Humble here. Brag. But yeah, but he uh, you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, like Crosby, he he is who he is. You know until further notice, Sid is the guy. So Jake Gensel, another great find by the team. Brian Rust, another great find. And honestly, it doesn't matter who you line up on Crosby's wing. He could have. You know, Chick McNuggs and and Buzz Flibbit and Mark Donk on his line. They're going to score 20-plus goals. It is what it is. It's those guys who aren't playing with him. Those guys, like, on the fourth and third line, are they good enough to, yeah, maybe they can play on their own end. Are they good enough to not spend time in their own end? Like, that's that's where the difference is to me. And then, yeah, Cody Cece and, and uh, Mike Matheson, that's just not going to cut it in, on an NHL roster. So, Matt, what, what are your, what's your take? Yeah, my question would really just be like, like Mike alluded to, is I do like some of the pieces. I like 
Brandon Tanev. I think he's a good fourth line player. Jared McCann, I think, is a good third line player. And Jankowski's shown some flashes in the past with Calgary. But my question is against the deeper, better teams in the league, like are you not worried about those matchups? Like the the bottom like the third line against another team, like the Avalanche's third line, or your bottom pair really against any bottom any line in the NHL, honestly. Like <laughs> it gets it gets my nephews rolling out there. And believe us, like we know, like we had to watch some some of the worst defensemen this league has ever probably seen yeah. on the Flyers. So we know what that's like, where you're like grinding holding your breath. Yeah, like holding your breath, gri- like death gripping a chair, waiting for them to get off the ice. Like my question just seriously is like that third or fourth line's out there against a deeper team or the top teams in the league. Does not that does that not worry you in terms of the, the matchup? I mean, definitely a little. I think Berlinski alluded to it before, though. It's can this line shut down every other line more than um, they're able to put on? And can our top lines continue to produce? It's about defense in our bottom six right now, and it's not necessarily what me and Berlinski like to watch. I mean, our third line in the 2016 Cup was Phil Kessel, Nick Benino, and Carl Hagelin. Two of those guys aren't notable goal scorers, but Aglin kind of became one a little bit here. Mm-hmm. And Phil Kessel is Phil Kessel. And Benino became another folk hero, as I like to say. So that was our third line. Like, we used to see a ton of high flying in our in every line. But now it's come to a different point where, yeah, our bottom line is pretty much going to be shutting down every line possible, hopefully, until – Maybe uh, Kapanen comes in and doesn't take Rodriguez's spot, and now we have a goal scorer down there. But that would be it. Berlinski. The big thing you guys mentioned, and you talked a lot about the beginning of the Mike Sullivan era, which was a great time for us, to be completely honest. Yep. But the big thing that he did is he brought people with him from Wilkes-Barre. He brought up Jake Gensel. He brought up Brian Rust. He brought up Connor Sherry, who was a, a, a tear in both of those two Stanley Cup runs. And the thing was that they got young and really fast. And mm-hmm. that's what was wrong with them before that. And now you look at last season, they were not young. They were not fast. They had some guys that could do it like Tanev. But the problem was you still had guys now like Hornfist, who is probably one of the slowest players in the NHL, underratedly slow. And he still doesn't have the scoring ability that he used to have. So now you have a guy who can't play unless he's with Sidney Crosby. That handcuffs you. You have a third line that you can't really put on the fourth line because you liked your fourth line, and you can't put them higher in the lineup because that makes the lineup worse. It handcuffs you. Here's the thing they did in this offseason. They got younger, they got faster, and they took the shackles off of Mike Sullivan. They said, here, you can actually switch your lineup around now instead of, hey, this is basically what you're stuck with. This is the best thing that's going to work, and if you switch it around, it's not going to. Like, I'm not sure... Who signed off on the idea to bring in Patrick Marlowe last year? Because <laughs> I I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I said, why are we bringing in a 40-year-old when the only time we've won Stanley Cups in the Crosby era is with speed? And you're bringing in a 40-year-old that, yeah, he has foot speed, but he's not going to be able to perform on a fourth line. And now that's where they're looking right now with their fourth line. Yes, at the beginning of the season, they're hoping, you know, batting down the hatches and hope nobody scores on you. But as you mentioned, that it's not going to work when you have a deep teams going up against you. So the big thing I mentioned was Bluger and his progression into an offensive forward. And that's what they're hoping for. They're hoping that him, 
match with Brandon Tanev and then Mark Donk, who they put on the side of them. <laughs> They're hoping that that is enough to actually make an existent bottom six scoring as well as the defense that they already bring to the table. That's fair. I think I think that's definitely fair. It's, it's interesting to hear the perspective of, you know, because from our perspective, we saw Flyers teams in the past that didn't have the depth and tried to make it work with, you know, guys like Blair Betts, guys like Ian LaPerriere. Don't you dare badmouth Blair Betts. Don't you dare. <laughs> okay. Pierre-Edouard Belmar, stuff, people like that who were never going to give you any offense, but they could play really good defensive hockey, and then you just got to hope your your big guns can get it done. And that didn't work for them. And it didn't work for them with uh, Peter Laviolette. It didn't work for them with John Stevens. It didn't work for them with uh, Dave Haxtell, especially. So when AV came along with Chuck Fletcher, the name of the game became depth. We're going to have four lines. You know, even if our fourth line, they, they are not going to score 20 goals, obviously. We want guys who can put up double digits on the fourth line. And the Flyers last year, if the season hadn't gotten cut short, they had three, four guys that could have put up 10 plus on the fourth line probably close to 15 honestly um so that's that's what the flyers name of the game is that's the way that this team is successful it's interesting to hear from your perspective that like the pens don't necessarily need that on the third and fourth line maybe the way that this team is successful right now is having guys that can just break even at best on the third and fourth line that's an interesting take i think that that's you know you all watch them a lot more than we do Maybe that's what suits that that team, and maybe that's how they can get it done. Um, I just I think that that difference in philosophy is interesting to me because for us, we, you know, the initial reaction is no, that's a terrible plan. Um, but maybe we're just not looking at it in the same way, and maybe the success, uh, maybe that team last year showed no, they can build off of of a, a plan similar to that. So yeah, I, I I like that. This is why I think these conversations are fun with opposing teams uh, when you're not screaming down each other's throats and you're actually just able to sit and have a little chat about it. Like you, you learn a lot about not just the other team, but like hockey in general, what, you know, a different philosophy of the game. It's, it's pretty interesting in my opinion. And Matt, I, I'm sorry. You also mentioned our third pairing defense, which I forgot and I would like to forget from my entire <laughs> memory. But I think the thing that Penguins fans right now, at least what we're doing is crossing our fingers and sitting down, closing our eyes and praying and thinking, it can't be worse than Schultz and Johnson. It can't be worse than Schultz and Johnson because that defensive pairing, I mean, Johnson alone anchored down Chris Letang and Sidney Crosby's numbers to the worst they've ever been last year. I don't know how he is the only player in the NHL that could anchor two of those guys at the same time down, but he did it. So that's what we're, we're hoping that Matheson has a, a bit of a resurgence or at least a little bit of a better showing than he did in Florida. And Cody Cece, we're hoping that somebody else gets better and they don't mind setting a guy that they only paid $1 million to. <laughs> or maybe that Cody Cece can kind of look like what he did in Ottawa. Having that's more of a reach. That firsthand, it's never going to be. They're as bad as you think. Like having okay. gone through McDonald and, and Haig and Brandon Manning, those guys, they might play five good games, and you might be like, oh, wow. No, they're <laughs> as bad as you think. Go yeah. ahead, man. No, I was just going to say, I think the, the best thing for you guys is going to be whether or not your coach recognizes that in real time, which, as we alluded to, he's a very good coach, so I wouldn't be shocked if he does. I remember seeing on NHL Network, they were talking about Pierre Oliver Joseph. That That's his name, correct? Yeah. From, yes. uh, from 
the Arizona trade for Phil Kessel. So he was a first rounder. I'm not sure where he's at in his development stage in terms of he's NHL ready or if he's close to it. Um, but if, if it really is that bad and he's showing some signs of being able to add value to your lineup, I think obviously that's the player that you guys could plug in. I don't know all too much more about your defensive depth outside of him. Um, um, but I really think it comes down to just recognizing that they're not good, which a lot of coaches don't recognize which players in their lineups are actually, in fact, not good players. Yeah. Our defensive defensive depth is actually very interesting because we have two – before even we get to P.O. Joseph, there's two more defensemen that aren't regular NHL players but have the ability to be in Yusuf Ricola and Chad Ruedel, who Ricola is on – who we just re-signed for two years just to not play him. And Ruedel at this point is just a, like, press box attendant. He hands out Doritos to reporters and stuff at this point because he's so used to being up there. Yeah, and then Ruedel, who's been in the league for a lot for a lot longer than people really remember. And he played for Buffalo for a couple mm-hmm. seasons. Um, who Those two are usually the first two up in an injury or a healthy scratch situation or replacement um, situation on the blue line. And then you get to P.J. Joseph, who – when it comes to how far along he is in his progression, it's he's almost ready. I think a lot of people think he might finally break in this year for a handful of games. Um, starting in Wilkes-Barre, that was probably what's going to happen because uh, we just have a log jam at defense. That's all it is. Uh, we have two guys. We have a whole fourth defensive line basically before we even get to a guy like P.O. Joseph, who's going to break in one day and be a phenomenal defenseman. It's just a matter of waiting for him. You so would he potentially, or you think the other two you mentioned, Ruiedel and uh, Ricola, are probably going to be taxi squad bound? One of the uh, one of the two. Yeah, I would assume so. Okay. And you think Tristan Jari? I know we'll we'll probably switch to to move on to goalies now with yep. our goalie guru uh, Horat. But you think Tristan Jari is is the guy to? Uh, to hold it down behind those uh, those defensive pairs? I definitely do hope so. I mean, he showed last year that he's able to be an all-star caliber goalie. Granted, it took injuries, but um, I looked at that as more or less, that's the league telling you you're an all-star, not the fans. Hmm. So if anything, it's more of a pat on the back to him. And not that all-star means, any, means everything, but um, it's a good start for him. I mean, he had the last season, the season before that he played like two or three or four or five games, just a handful season before that he had a nut, his, I guess his real rookie season. He had a bit more of a regular spot um, with, you know, injuries to Matt Murray. So he played in 20 some games and it was the same stuff. So he, we know he's got the ability to be a pretty good regular starter. It's just a matter of it's his second year. We've seen a ton of goalies come into the league, blow it up, and absolutely fall off the face of the earth. I always bring up <clears throat> Andrew Hammond or Victor Fast as examples. Oh, I mean, Victor Fast. He Victor was my Fast. favorite. I've never seen a more positionally sound goalie, and then it just turned out he wore the biggest pads in the world. That's all it was. <laughs> so upsetting. Yeah, so, I mean, those are guys that came in, carried their teams into the playoffs, made some noise, and then did nothing the next season and haven't been heard from since. So it's... That we're not hoping we're hoping that it's not that because Casey DeSmith is not the answer. As much as you know, people might like him and how he's a good backup, don't get me wrong, but that's all he is, is a pretty good backup. 
Okay. And it scares us this year. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I just said that. That's fair. It's not just not the days of Murray and Flurry anymore. Yeah, absolutely. It scares us this season because every team is going to have to rely on their backup to start a little bit more games because of how condensed the schedule is. Mm -hmm. And that's where there might be an issue with Casey DeSmith. He's a solid backup goaltender in a normal 82-game season where there's more than two days of off days between a game at least once in the season. But right now, with the fact that there's so many games and so little time, he's going to have to take on a lot more games in a lot shorter period of time. And especially after playing last year in the AHL, it's going to be that readjustment period of can he come up and play as he did two years ago as the backup for the Penguins, which is great. And Jari is a fun story because Jari was supposed to be the guy after Flurry. He was ahead of Murray in, pro- in progression at the, initially. And then Murray had a great season in the AHL, came up, and the rest is history, two Stanley Cups later. But now is the fact that Jari finally got back to ahead of Matt Murray. That's why Matt Murray was traded this offseason, because Jari has progressed past where he was. And the big thing for Tristan Jari is when he goes away for an extended period of time and comes back, he's the same goaltender. That was what was frustrating with Matt Murray, mm-hmm. is he would go away from the team. He would tinker with his mechanics. He would tinker with something here and there. They'd co- He'd come back, and then all of a sudden, he's a completely different goaltender. And the goaltending coaches looked at that and said, what are you doing? Why are you tinkering? You're, you've won two Stanley Cups as a rookie, even though that is kind of just semantics. You've won two Stanley Cups already. Why are you tinkering so much? And he would do it every single time. But whereas Tristan Jari... He's the same goalie today as he was three years ago, as he's going to be in five years. It's a matter of if the play and the way that he progresses continues along that same path with the style that he has chosen as his signature style. So we're hoping that that means a consistency basis from what last season showed, which was a top 10 finish and save percentage and goals allowed average. So right now the hope is that he can continue what he started last year, but if he gives us anything as to where he was last year anything close it's going to be enough for the pittsburgh penguins because we also see our defense as a team that has improved albeit the third pairing it has improved in the top four to a point where if jari can sustain at least a modicum of what he did last year it'll give us an opportunity that's fair it's going to be an interesting year i think flyers fans are excited Pittsburgh fans should be excited too. Um, you get to watch one of the best players in the world on a nightly basis. And, you know, from both angles, Flyers fans are kind of looking at this year as a, as a passing of the torch season. Uh, do they finally surpass the pens for real? And Penguins fans should look at this as a, you know, no, this is the old guard holding firm type of season. So I, I think, again, there's that difference in philosophy, that difference in, in perspective. We get to see it play out this year, which is which is really neat. You guys over on the eastern side of the state love the term passing the torch, don't you? I can't stay away from it. How many times do you think uh, Lavi's going to say it this year in Washington? He's going to say it at least once about Ovi and Crosby, right? He's going to say it probably every single time they play, so at least eight times. (laughs) I should should mention, you guys had, you you said you had us sixth or fifth. I have the Penguins missing the playoffs. I have them at fifth. Um, I have the Capitals just nudging in. I think it's going to be very tight between the two of you, but I just Laviolette has such good first years um, that I think he's going to get every ounce out of that Caps team, every little last shot that they've got, and I think it's going to be just a little too much, and they get through. But I would not be surprised if the Penguins, if they if they get in, I would not be shocked because, like you said, this team, this East 
is loaded. This is this is a nightmare. I don't know if you guys are soccer fans at all, but this is like the group of death in, in, in the World Cup where you get like Portugal, France, Spain. And you're just like, are you kidding? Like, how, how am I going to get through this? And that's what this kind of lineup really is. So wouldn't be too shocked, but I have them just missing out. Who yeah, knows? We'll see. I'm kind of on the same. I mean, like, like Joe alluded to there too, it's, as long as you have Crosby and Malkin, and you do have, I believe, very two very good defensive pairings and then potentially a very good goalie, you could drag the team into the playoffs just with that alone. Um, my que- And it's going to be interesting to see with everyone. It really comes down to this season more than ever before. It's just matchups. You're talking about you're playing seven other teams. How do you match up against those seven teams? Whereas in a regular season, you're playing everyone. It's not necessarily so matchup-driven. So it really comes down to how how do you match up? Like we said, we don't match up well against the Islanders. But that doesn't mean that based on our record last year at 13-6 and 3, I believe it was, against everyone else in that division, that we seemingly match up well against the other teams. So I think that's going to be the, obviously the biggest determination of what the uh, the standings look like at the end of the season. Are the Islanders the kryptonite to every team in the East Division? So. Like- yeah, how do you guys play against them? We don't play well. We haven't played well as of late, but before the playoffs in 2019, we were fine. Yeah. We had no issue with the New York Islanders, but from then on, we've just struggled to do anything against them. And that, I mean, that's a Barry Trotzism there as to why. But I mean, the Islanders, for some reason, don't scare me this year. The way that they ended last season before COVID hit was very bad. And then, of course, they benefited from having time off, mainly just because of the way they play. They play mm-hmm. such a hard style of game that in this condensed schedule, can you do that every night? Because if they don't, they don't have the talent to beat the Flyers. They don't have the talent to beat the Bruins or the Capitals. It's going to be a factor of can they continue to play that 100% of the time, full tilt, balls against the wall. Can they do that from start to finish, 56 games? I don't think that's possible. I, I don't think it's humanly possible, but that they still – managed to do it they managed to get to the eastern conference finals so i shouldn't really count them out that much mm-hmm. but you guys have us at fifth i mean mike where do you where do you have us finishing before i go on with this i was the coward i got called out by uh by our friends in dc not you uh our our caps friends in dc the other day when we posted uh, our th- i had a, i had a pens and caps split at at four and five i think i could i think the caps are the better team on paper when i look at them but I have huge questions about Ilya Samsonov, whether or not he is, if a, if a whatever, t- 10, 20 game sample is enough uh, for him to, to anoint him as, as the guy. Uh, he's going to be a good goalie, no doubt. But yeah, they're an aging team, et cetera, et cetera. I think they still have the firepower, but I think the Pens could, I think the Pens could surpass them. And like you, the point you just made, if the Islanders can't sustain that pest style that they played in the playoffs then I could see them slipping back too. I hadn't really considered that. So yeah, I think it'll be close with the pens. I lean towards them not making it. Um, maybe victims of circumstance with the way the division is set up and there's no wild card, etc. cetera. Um, but you know what? I, this has been my motto for years now. You can never count out Sidney Crosby. And I remember watching them uh, during that second cup run, the first of the back-to-back, and it was in the regular season, random game against the Flyers. And I remember watching Carl Hagelin just torch down the ice against the Flyers and thinking, they're going to win the Cup. This team is, is absurd. And then they went on and won back-to-back. So I thought they were dead and buried at that point. I thought that after what we saw in 2012, that Penn's team was going to go away. And look, here we are. Uh, <laughs> nine years later, 
which is <laughs> absurd. And we're still having this debate about whether or not this Penns team is, is going to hang it up. So it, it's, it's going to be a fun race this year. Yeah. We feed off of everybody's negative comments in Pittsburgh, if you haven't noticed. They're talking anytime to Philly somebody, people, guys. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> anytime somebody says, hey, the Penguins are done, let's just throw them to the side. Sidney Crosby is just an aging, fun guy to watch, but the team's not going to be great. Boom, back-to-back cups. That's what we love to see. So uh, everybody can keep doubting us. I know it gets added to Crosby's list. He <laughs> <Yeah>. underlines it. <laughs> Oh man, I, uh, I I love watching that. Every now and again, like a Flyers fan account will retweet. Um, it's like it's that that's the famous playoff series, and it's just, I don't like I don't like any guy on their team. <laughs> it's just like the the most like polite Canadian, just like clearly just mad online trying <laughs> to trash talk. Me. But I I, know, I I just don't like them. You're trying to make <laughs> square, but I won't. <laughs> we'll see. I, I got a feeling this this. I mean, playing it's eight games, right? We're gonna play each other. I I could. Easily see uh, some some tomfoolery, some some hooliganism happening just because. I don't know. Sam Warren's in the lineup. Yeah. Oh my god. Sam Moran. Yeah, I, that's one we didn't even we talk, talk about. about you have no that's, idea. That's another Sam discussion Moran. for another time. They have no idea who he is. Don't worry about it. He's he's, he's only your nightmare if he if he actually gets on the ice. Okay, well, let's keep him off the ice then. That's yeah. that's what we'll hope for. But as long as it doesn't devolve into the, the stadium series in Philadelphia where somebody tried to literally snap Chris Letang's neck off of his body, then I think we're – anything short of that, it's fun. What was the flyer that, that, that checked? That was the wrestling it? match with uh, – Oh, it was Gossip's Oh, it was yeah, gross. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, – yeah. yeah. That was a After great a, game. A well, hit, I think, so – Simmons yeah. Simmons had the hit on I forget who the defenseman Doom was. Yeah. Yeah. So that you guys was... literally just targeted our top line, that defensive pairing, and you were like, Yep. Yeah. I think we just found them, that's that's the playbook for, for twenty twenty one. Yeah, right? they can't I mean, play if they hurt, so just go out and all right, all right, Joe. Come on. <laughs> well, boys, uh unless what else do you got? Do you have anything else on the Pittsburgh Penguins? Any any hot takes that you think that we'd love to hear? I think Mike Johnson is one of the best coaches in the Mike Sullivan. Well, Mike Sullivan, sorry, not Mike. Let's say Mike Johnston. That would be bad. No, uh, I think Mike Sullivan is one of the best coaches in the NHL. Um, I, he's, I, I, I still can't get over that it took him coming in and being like, "Stop playing like idiots," and then they finally figured it out and just started slamming us because there was a point. I, I think we were in the in the, was it PPG Paints? Is that what it is? I don't know what it was called before. But like the Flyers are like 13-0-1 in that building for the longest time. And then finally, it all just clicked when he came on board and was like, you are so vastly more skilled than all of these guys. Stop mucking it up and you'll win the games. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. I- I'd love to see a first-round matchup of Flyers-Pens in the playoffs. That'd be great. I'll, I'll keep on the theme of uh, saying a nice thing about the other team. I think you're right that that – Zucker, Malkin, and Rust line is probably the best second line in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? We all need some positivity right now. Keep it up. Uh, Evan Rodriguez, if he sticks on that top line with Sid in a 56-game season, let's give it to him. 20 goals for Evan Rodriguez playing <laughs> on Sid's wing. I love it. I like Evan Rodriguez. Uh, Jack Eichel's former right-hand man. You know what? I, I see it. Let's go. 20 goals for him. There we go. That's what we like to hear. And as far as your guys' playoffs and having all having basically the pens either close to out or out, it is the most danger their playoff streak has been in since the 
14-15 season with Mike Johnston Woo. as their head coach where they had to win <laughs> against the Buffalo Sabres on the last day. And Brandon Sutter magically got them over the hump and into the playoffs <laughs> before they got embarrassed by the Rangers. This is the most danger that postseason streak has been in since that moment. And hopefully they can extend it to 15 years and they can prove everybody wrong. But there is a danger because of that East. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, boys, thank you guys so much for joining us here today on the Tip of the Iceberg. Episode 99. We're very excited to start the season on Wednesday. But before we let you go, I just need a prediction. How's Wednesday night going to go? We'll, we'll start with Mike. How does Wednesday night go? Does Philly take it or do the Penguins start off the season hot? Yeah, since we gave you guys those those nice hot takes there at the end, uh, I'm going to go Flyers, Flyers 4-3 win uh, in overtime. Sean Couturier strips a puck at the blue line or something and takes it the other way and scores or something like that. Uh, 4-3 overtime win. Okay. Matt? I'll go uh, a 4-2 victory for the Flyers. Okay. Joe? 3-1 Flyers. Or what? Oh, great. Uh, uh, three to one Penguins. Thank you. All right. I'll finish it off. I think it's going to be a repeat of last year for the Pittsburgh Penguins opener. They lose three to one to the Philadelphia Flyers. That's my prediction Ooh. on opening night. As much as I'd hate to see it, that's what I think is going to happen. But again, boys. Just one game. <laughs> just one game. Yeah, yeah it's just a game. One. They'll win the next game, I think. But they'll, yeah. they'll probably that's, lose the yeah. opener just because <laughs> my excitement will have to be quelled. But, uh, boys, thank you again for joining us. Uh, let us know where the listeners of our show can find you guys on social media. And let us know what's coming up for the P- Three Pigeons podcast. Yeah, uh, you can find us at, uh, at Three Pigeons Pod on Twitter. Um, we've got some other social media pages in the work. Um, find us on Spotify. Find us on iTunes. Anywhere you get your podcasts. If you if you ever get curious, sometimes it's nice to listen to the, the other side of the, uh, the state's takes and, and stuff like that. So, Matt, we, we also we have one potential pod in the works with a a certain penguins prospect i don't know if you want to tease that a little bit yeah i don't want to commit to it just yet because he's uh, obviously busy with training camp but i i have a friend who is a recent signing of you guys so maybe i'm hoping to have it sooner sooner than later we'll have him on um so obviously we'll be letting you guys know when that happens so that you can uh potentially have a little access to that clip potentially so Yeah, you don't know. You've though. piqued my interest. Yeah, That's I thought that one. would. Joe, anything? Um, no. I mean, I I, I want to thank you guys for having us on. This was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I I, uh, I actually I went to college at WVU, so I, I had a ton of of Penguins fans um, that were they're friends of mine. They're still great friends of mine, and um, I think yeah, as long as people aren't like crazy hardos about it, it's a really fun rivalry. Um, I'm excited to, to see what happens, and I want to thank you guys for having us on. We'll have to we'll repay the favor. Maybe uh, maybe when the game starts to really pick up, and there's going to be the stretch of we play each other a lot. Maybe we'll uh, we'll have you guys over to uh, to the better side of the state. You're welcome anytime. <laughs> Food's better over here. Water's better. Come on over. It's great. The water. The water. The water. Soft pretzels. <laughs> well, boys, thank you again. If you guys want to follow them on Twitter, that is at Three Pigeons Pod, as they mentioned. Thank you one more time, guys. Thank Thanks, you guys. so much, guys. Appreciate it.
Oh, boys, that was a lot of fun. It's always nice when you can have a civilized conversation between rivals. Horwat and Berlanski were able to provide a, a fresh perspective to the Pens lineup, I think. Uh, they they had some points that we didn't consider. But, you know, there was also some points that we didn't really agree on, as as rivals tend to do. What did you guys think, though? What were your big takeaways from the interview? Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway was how good that second line for them really is. Jason Zucker, Vigeny Malkin, and Brian Rust after the season he just had, I really don't see another team in the NHL that can top that in terms of just the combination of skill, a little bit of grip, um, and then obviously high-end skill with Evgeny Malkin. So that was one thing I glossed over that maybe I shouldn't have. But I think the biggest thing in terms of like disagreements has to be with that, that bottom six in that lineup. There's some good pieces, Jared McCann, um, one of them, and then... I don't know why I'm blanking on his name on the fourth line. Who am I thinking? Tanev? Yeah, Brandon Tanev. They're good pieces. And even with the introduction of Kasperi Kapanen, I don't foresee how 50% of your lineup, offensively speaking, cannot bring in like cannot bring you the talent that other teams have and you're able to compete over a 56-game season. So it's going to be tough for them. Yeah, I agree, Matt. And I think you can kind of say the same thing uh in the defensive end of the ice too because Tristan Jari good goalie uh let's see if he can keep it up and then Casey DeSmith is not an option as a backup in my opinion I just don't see how that's going to work out for them in this condensed schedule and then on defense great top four I, I really I underestimated that in the same way you underestimated the second line Matt they have some good names there uh some promising promising names but it comes down to that bottom pair I mean Mike Matheson and Cody Ceci, that is worse than Jack Johnson on the ice. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how they're going to make that work. I think they're going to have to address that sooner than later. Uh, otherwise, they're in for a rude awakening because you can't just hope. Flyers fans are well aware. You can't hope that the Brandon Mannings of the world, like those types of players, are going to break even for you. That's just not going to happen. So it'll be an interesting race, though. Tight division. Um, you can never count out the pens. Oh, I, I agree. Um, like I said, I think they brought up some pretty good points. Um, I, I just got a feeling that, you know, eight games against each other. I'm, I'm hoping we can see some rivalry kind of action like we did in the early 2010s. Um, I, I'd love to see that again. Just just the passion. Um, that's that's what really drives a rivalry. So we'll see what happens. Um, wrapping things up with some Flyers news. Um, we do have some sad news. Bill Clement, happy trails. He's retiring. Um I really love Bill Clement. He was he's been one of the voice of the Flyers, I think, for for such a long time with with JJ and Keith Jones. Um, and we also lost Katie Emmerich and Colby Cohen. They are another casualty of, you know, uh, this kind of year with with hockey revenue and everything and NBC letting people go. They will not be returning. Um, any thoughts, you guys? I, I know we all love Bill Clement, but uh, any, any any quick thoughts? Yeah. Love Billy. Sad to see the others go. Um I hope and I think that they'll they'll find their way back into the industry. Yeah, on to bigger and better things, hopefully. Um, a little bit of bright news, or I guess you know, good news. Hartnell, Scott Hartnell could be. There's rumor that he's going to be doing some either, I don't know, it's pre or post game or an intermission work uh, for the Flyers. I know, Mike, you spent some time with him at the NHL Network for a little bit. You got to, to kind of pal around with him there. I know you're, you're not best friends, but you're no. roommates, soulmates. Uh, we're. Yeah, We're not phone even on first name basis, I don't think, to be honest. <laughs> but no, Scotty's a great guy. Hilarious. We had some great uh, pre-show meetings with him. And Matt, I know you have a 
you know, a, a sordid past with Scott Hartnell, uh, kind of, in your fandom. No, I'm kidding. Matt, Matt's a, Matt's a Hartnell fan, too. Yeah, I mean, maybe at the end of his, his time here, it was a little tough, but obviously you always have to look back on... It's easy at the end of the careers of people to be hard on them, I feel like, because um, what have you done for me lately? But I have no no hard feelings towards him in any way. I think the the good years he provided us, provided us heavily outweigh kind of the tail end of his time here. Agreed. You guys know I'm the biggest like Scott Hartnell homer ever. I have his jersey. So, um, but wrapping up, we do want to thank our friends uh, Nick Squared over there at the uh, the tip of the iceberg podcast for having us on. Make sure you guys check him out whenever you want some some content or some info on the uh, second best team in Pennsylvania. Zing. Uh, hold on to your hats, though, guys. We're coming up on Wednesday evening fast. Um, don't forget to check out Sunday. There is a scrimmage between the it's the black and orange scrimmage. It's going to be on NBC Philly. Make sure to check that out. But uh, hang on to your hats, guys. The season is, is about to begin in earnest. I uh, want to thank them again and hope to hear from you all soon. Take care.